0: You are listening to the last episode of Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 57, Diurnia Orbital, 2372, September 13th. The crew said goodbye to Mr. Ricks at breakfast. The real send-off had apparently happened the night before, judging from the bloodshot eyes and general level of energy amongst the three ratings. He was due to report at 0800, and we waved him out of the lock at 0715 with plenty of time to spare. I'd also made arrangements with the orbital security staff to have Miserione released to my recognizance at 0730. They knew we were on a tight schedule, and they were happy to see her leave. I only had to present myself a copy of her employment contract and sign a bond that I'd be responsible for her. They had her ready and waiting for me, and the whole transaction was done in less than two ticks. She was in civvies and had a bundle of personal goods under her arm. We got under the lift, and I glanced over at her. Do you have anything you need to do before we get underway? Close up an apartment? Pick up goods from storage? Anything like that, Ms. Arione? She shrugged and didn't look at me. Quarter share can't take much, Captain. I have a duffel in the locker on O-1. The apartment was closed for me when I got sent down. I punched the button for O-1 and we stopped to pick up her bag. She shouldered it easily and we headed out. You need any personal gear, toothpaste, anything? We're getting underway this afternoon. When we get back to the ship, you're pretty much stuck. She glared at me. Am I under house arrest or something, Captain? I shook my head. No, Miss Arione. I'm just trying to make the transition as easy as possible. I'm serious about getting underway, and you won't have a chance to get anything once we get to the ship. She hefted the bag on her shoulder. I can't afford any more mass, Captain. I sighed and led her into the chandlery. I bought an empty duffel bag. You have a bathing suit in that bag? She looked at me like I'd grown a second head. You getting pervy already, Captain? We have a hot tub. You need a suit. Do you have one? Hot tub? On the Agamemnon? Yes, Ms. Arione, please focus. I'm supposed to be on watch. We need to move. Do you have a bathing suit in that bag? No. Buy one. I pointed to the hygiene counter. And anything else you need for an eight-week voyage. Just do it fast, Ms. Arione. She was fast. I will give her that. In four ticks flat, she had what she needed on the counter, and the clerk checking her out gave her the tab to thumb. She hesitated. Problems, Ms. Arione. She looked down and turned a little toward me. I... "'I can't afford this, Captain.' "'I looked at the bill. "'It was only two digits. "'I thumbed it, pushed all the gear into the second duffel, "'zipped it, and pointed at the door. "'Go. We're late.' "'We hit the lock by 0800, "'and I left her with Mr. Hill to get checked in "'while I headed for the mess deck "'to take my watch back for Miss Thomas. "'I found her and Mr. Wyatt sitting at the table "'with the cribbage board set up between them. "'They looked up with smiles when I came around the corner. "'Back so soon, Skipper.' "'Yes, Miss Thomas. Thanks for covering the watch.' "'She shrugged. No problem, Captain. "'Avery's trying to teach me how to play cribbage.' "'I grinned. A lovely game. How's it going?' "'He shook his head. "'The problem is that I'm not sure I know how, Captain. "'We're just kind of fumbling around here. "'We'll have time to pick it up underway. "'Mr. Hill is quite a good player at this point.' "'Miss Thomas grinned. Well, how's our new crew?' "'She'll be okay, I think. "'We need to get her calmed down a bit.' "'Calm down, Captain.' Mr. Wyatt raised an eyebrow. She's a bit tense, but I think she'll be okay once we get underway. You still going to put her on my watch, Skipper? I thought about it. Yes, I think you two will hit it off. Captain? Mr. Hill's voice echoed into the mess deck. There was a note of urgency in it. Maybe you'd like to come meet her, Miss Thomas. She arched an eyebrow, but started to get up from the table while I headed for the lock. "'I found a furious Miss Arione standing on the scales "'with her two duffels and Mr. Hill looking flummoxed. "'Yes, Mr. Hill, is there a problem? "'She's over Skipper.' "'He paused for a heartbeat. "'She's also armed. "'I saw her slip a knife into her boot. "'Miss Thomas and Mr. Wyatt came up behind me "'as I turned to Miss Arione. "'That didn't take long, Miss Arione. "'I assume it was in your duffel bag?' "'She had the grace to look a bit abashed. "'Yes, Captain.' "'How much over is she, Mr. Hill?' "'Double, Captain. Not quite. Eighteen kilos.' "'So she'd be good if she were full share, Mr. Hill?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Thank you, Mr. Hill.' "'I turned to Miss Thomas. "'Miss Thomas, I'd like you to meet your new watchstander, "'spacer apprentice Stacy Arione. "'Miss Arione, this is our first mate, Miss Gwen Thomas. "'You'll be joining first section as soon as we get you aboard.' "'Miss Thomas quirked a bit of a smile and nodded. "'Nice to meet you, Miss Arione.' Miss Arione appeared a bit off-balance, but nodded back. Miss Thomas? Miss Thomas, why don't you take Miss Arione over there out of the way of the lock and help her sort out the essentials into one of the duffel bags and the extras into the other? I looked at Mr. Wyatt and Mr. Hill. Gentlemen, why don't we get a cup of coffee and let the ladies have a little privacy while they adjust the luggage? Mr. Hill started to say something. I think Miss Thomas can keep an eye on the lock for a few ticks, Mr. Hill. But she's armed captain. Who? Miss Thomas? Surely not. No, sir. Arione. He seemed a bit exasperated. Oh, yes, thank you. Miss Arione, I placed special emphasis on the word Ms., is most assuredly armed, and we are all alerted to that fact. I'm more than confident that Miss Thomas is in no danger. I looked at Miss Thomas, who smiled happily and shrugged. No worries on my part, Captain. I turned back to Mr. Hill. See, Mr. Hill, no worries. Now, if you please... I held a hand out, pointing down the passage. I need a cuppa, and these ladies need a little room to work without being second-guessed at each turn. Shall we? Mr. Wyatt led the way, and I could hear Mr. Hill following me, but I didn't look back. We took turns at the coffee pots and then arrayed ourselves around the mess deck. Mr. Wyatt resumed his seat at the table while Mr. Hill and I leaned against the counters. Mr. Wyatt looked a bit amused. What cat have you dragged home now, Skipper? She was next on the wait list, Mr. Wyatt. She was in detention, Captain. I wrinkled my nose dismissively. A detail. Mr. Hill would have been in detention more than once if he hadn't had a ship to escape to. I arched an eyebrow in his direction. True, Mr. Hill. He glanced at me before lowering his eyes to the mug in his hands. After a heartbeat, he nodded. Probably so, Skipper. So, now she's one of us, I shrugged. We get underway in a few stands, and we'll see what happens when we get the break call. Six weeks in the can should let us know if we're going to be able to get along. Mr. Wyatt looked surprised. You'd put her ashore again, Captain. I made a show of considering it. I'll put anybody ashore if I think they're a threat to the ship, Mr. Wyatt. I sipped to let that sink in. But she's no danger to the ship. I felt Mr. Hill stiffen. You seem pretty certain, Captain. I am, Mr. Hill. I turned to look at him. How long have you known her, Mr. Hill? He seemed startled and looked up at me, but then shrugged. couple of stand, years, Skipper? Most of the tractor crews know each other. Same fleet, same run, same ships. We cross paths more often than some. You have any personal issues? Does Mr. Schubert? He thought about it for a couple of heartbeats before shaking his head. No, Skipper, I don't, and I don't think Chooch does. He sipped, and I could tell he was still thinking. She's got a reputation on the docks. Most people give her a wide berth. She's bounced around a lot. He glanced up at me before lowering his eyes again. Go on, Mr. Hill. He took a short breath before replying. The word is she's a bit quick with the knife. You don't want to get too close. Ah, I see. I took a quick swallow from the top of my mug. That's why you're concerned about Miss Thomas? He nodded but didn't speak. You ever own a cat, Mr. Hill? A cat? He shook his head. No, sir. Me either, Mr. Hill, but I have it on good authority that cats have claws. They tend to use them when they feel threatened. I turned my head in his direction just slightly. Sometimes people don't hear the warnings and they get clawed. He looked up with a frown. What if there's no warning, Skipper? Well, that's a good point, and a good reason to give a cat a wide berth. The point struck home, and he nodded again. I heard Miss Thomas call from the lock. Skipper, I think we're ready now. I downed the tail of my coffee and slotted the dirty cup. Mr. Hill was ahead of me, taking his with him back to watch. Mr. Wyatt caught my eye. You sure about this stray cat, Skipper? He had a gentle smile on his face. I stopped and thought for a heartbeat. No, Avery, I'm not. I stopped to really think about it for another heartbeat and decided to let him in on the secret. Mr. Malona used her as a threat to get me to torpedo Mr. Rix's chances. That didn't sit well with me. He looked concerned. So you're going to bring her aboard to spite him, Captain? I shook my head a little. Yeah, I know it looks that way. But there's more here than meets the eye. I grinned and shrugged. I don't know what. In a lot of ways, we're all stray cats here. He barked a laugh and raised his mug in salute. I can't argue that, Skipper. I gave him a little nod and headed out to the lock where Miss Arione was standing on the scale with one duffel bag. Miss Thomas was standing by with a second. Is she under the limit, Mr. Hill? He was looking at the screens. By about ten grams, skipper. I caught Miss Thomas's eye and she nodded back. All right, book her aboard, Mr. Hill. I turned to Miss Arione. Are you still armed, Miss Arione? She looked at me somewhat sullenly. No, Captain. Where are your weapons? Miss Thomas held up the second duffel. "'In here, Captain. "'Mr. Hill, would you weigh in that second bag, please?' "'They did the weigh-in, and when the numbers were up, they turned to me. "'Book it to Agamemnon, if you please, Mr. Hill?' "'He looked surprised, but Miss Thomas didn't. "'I turned to Ms. Arione. "'We'll store that in the embargo locker until such time as you re-earn your full share rating. "'You can have it back, then.' "'She nodded warily. "'Thank you, Captain. "'She wanted to ask something else. "'Yes?' I hear a butt there, Miss Arione. What about my blades? Oh, yes, thank you for reminding me. I turned to Miss Thomas. Would you get her weapons out of there, Miss Thomas? She looked at me curiously. Ay, aye, Captain? She unzipped the bag and pulled out a pair of blades bound together with a spare belt. Miss Arione, are those all the weapons in that bag? She started to say yes but looked at me. No, Captain. Would you help Miss Thomas find them all, please? Ay, aye, Captain? She didn't look pleased, but she crossed to where Gwen had the bag open and pulled out a heavy belt with an ornate buckle. She held it up. That's all that's in that bag, sir. I pointed to the watchstander console. If you'd put them on the desk, please. She did so, and Miss Thomas zipped up the bag in front of her. Now, would you get the weapons you've managed to put into this bag and put them on the desk as well, Miss Arione? I nudged the duffel that she'd been holding while at the scales. Miss Thomas shot me a look, and Mr. Hill looked a bit smug. Miss scowled, but knelt beside the bag and pulled out a spare boot. She reached inside and pulled out a small sheathed blade. I nodded to the desk, and she placed it on the pile. Any more, Miss No, Captain, that's all I managed to pack. I nodded and indicated that she should zip the duffel. We waited while she complied and stood. Miss Thomas was hiding a small smile behind her hand, and Mr. Hill was looking at the pile of cutlery with some amount of awe. "'Now, if you'd put all your holdout weapons on the table as well, Miss Arione?' She turned to me, surprise writ large in her eyes. "'I don't,' she started to say, but clamped her jaw shut before she could finish the statement while I arched a brow. She sighed and pulled a small blade from her boot, slipped another from the back of her collar. Miss Thomas looked amused. Mr. Hill looked appalled. "'Is that all, Miss She scowled, but she nodded. Yes, Captain, that's all of my blades. Is that all of your weapons, Miss Arione? She sighed and pulled a slim pen-shaped cylinder from the pocket of her pants, placing it on the desk. She patted her pockets and then looked at me. That's all. She seemed smaller somehow. I crossed to the desk and looked the pile over. Before reaching for anything, I looked to her. May I examine them, Miss Arione? She shrugged sullenly. It's your ship, Captain. I took that as permission and picked up the pen-shaped object. It appeared to be a pen, but made of solid metal. It massed much more than it looked like it should have. I held it up in front of her. Can you explain this? Her eyes focused on it. Tactical defense device. The point isn't sharp, but it hurts if you press it into somebody. The flat top works, too, if you just want to convince people to back off. Thank you, Miss Arione. I turned back to the pile on the desk. The boot and collar blades were small, lightweight ceramics, meant to be concealed. The larger blades were the obvious ones, the ones you'd wear to scare people off. I placed the pen back on the desk and picked up the heavier blades and the belt which had been stowed in the extra duffel. I turned to Miss Arione and held them up. These, we'll store in the weapons locker for now. I handed them to Miss Thomas. If you'd take care of that and give her a receipt for them, please, Miss Thomas. Aye, aye, Captain." They all looked at me expectantly. I scanned from one face to another. Is there something else? Mr. Hill nodded at the remaining weapons on the desk. What would you like us to do with these, Captain? Oh, of course. Sorry. I turned to Miss Arione. Thank you, Miss Arione. If you'd collect your gear and get into a ship's suit, we'll get your orientation underway. We have freight to haul, and I want to get underway this afternoon. Mr. Hill started to object. But, Captain! I looked at him. Yes, Mr. Hill? To her credit, Miss Arione didn't grab for the weaponry, although I thought I saw her hands twitch. "'You're going to let her carry weapons aboard?' I shrugged. "'They're her weapons, Mr. Hill. They came in under her mass allotment. What is your point?' He seemed nonplussed. "'We don't carry weapons aboard, sir. It just isn't done.' I shrugged again. "'If you'll notice, Mr. Hill, Miss Arione is currently unarmed. So she claims, and so I believe.' Those are hers. I see no reason to prevent her from having them. I don't question what you have in your duffel bag, do I? No, Captain, but I don't have knives in my bag. It's probably just as well, Mr. Hill. Knives are a specialist tool. All weapons are. Like tools, they can do great harm to the wielder if not used properly. If you ask nicely, I suspect Ms. Arione will help you learn. I turned to her. I'm particularly interested in that pen device myself. Perhaps you'd give me a demonstration when we're underway, Miss Arione. She stared at me in disbelief, but her mouth worked on autopilot. Of course, Captain. I stood back out of the way while she collected the bundle of weapons from the desk, and I turned to Miss Thomas. If you'd show Miss Arione to crew berthing and help her get settled, Miss Thomas. I've served on tractors before, Captain. I smiled at her. Of course, you were on the Paris, and the Hector as well, weren't you? I nodded at Miss Thomas. She was on the Hector some time ago. Miss Thomas took the opening and led her into the ship and around the corner to crew berthing, leaving Mr. Hill and I alone at the lock. He was staring at me incredulously. I snagged the spare duffel from the deck and looped the strap over my shoulder. Yes, Mr. Hill. Skipper, I can't believe you let her carry weapons onto the ship. Why, Mr. Hill? Do you feel threatened by them? Do you think she'll attack you in your sleep? She might, sar. To what end, Mr. Hill? Where would she run? How would she escape? She's not rational, Captain. He was losing steam in the face of my unwillingness to panic. I looked down the passageway toward the ship. On the contrary, Mr. Hill, she's perhaps the most rational member of the crew, barring Chief Gerhardt. His eyes almost bugged out of his head. How can you say that, Captain? I looked back at him. Well, I've spent the last eight months in very close proximity to you all. "'and I have to say I think the chief may be the most rational. "'It's just personal judgment, and I'm not an expert on rationality. "'The fact that I don't include myself in the roster of rationals "'should tell you something, Mr. Hill.' "'I grinned at him. "'But you don't know her!' "'He pointed in the direction of crew berthing. "'That's true, Mr. Hill. I don't know her. "'But she's one of us now, "'and we take care of our own here in case you've missed that.' "'He looked abashed, but not quite done.' We know that, Skipper, but does she? I gave a half-nod to cede the point. Granted, Mr. Hill, but we don't convince her by just telling her. We have to show her. I let that sink in for a heartbeat. Show her some respect and give her a chance to show some back, eh? What if she doesn't, Captain? I took a deep breath and let it out before speaking. It's a long walk home, Mr. Hill,
1: Grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Realm, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash R E A L M now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Realm.
0: Chapter 58. Diurnia System 2372, September 13th. Lunch was an all-hands affair. The lock was secured for departure at ten hundred, and we gathered for what was turning into a traditional pre-departure meeting over the lunch mess. I was interested to see where Miss would pick to sit. We were mostly all present when Mr. Wyatt opened the lunch mess, and I led the parade through the serving line. Miss had emerged from crew berthing in a clean ship suit with her hair still slicked back from the showers. She hadn't been aboard a ship in a long time, and the chestnut hair was growing out in an artless cap. She looked more like a spacer and less like a dock rat, even so. I took my seat and was followed rapidly by Miss Thomas, Mr. Paul, and the chief. Mr. Hill and Mr. Schubert took seats on my side at the table, leaving Miss Arione standing in the tray full of food and measuring the situation with her eyes. I paid close attention to stirring my coffee and waited to see where she'd go. She surprised me by sitting halfway between the chief and the end of the table. I wasn't sure how to read that one. I would have bet on her taking the end of the bench opposite Mr. Hill. With serving done, Mr. Wyatt took up tray and joined us, and I took the ceremonial first bite. When the initial round of savory was completed, I started the pre-flight discussion by raising my coffee mug in salute to Ms. Arione. I'd like to formally welcome our newest crew, Ms. Stacy Arione. The others at the table raised a cup or glass or mug as appropriate, and echoed various words of welcome. I had no more idea than I did what to say. We were making it up as we went. She looked a little flustered and colored a bit at all the attention, but managed to smile slightly and nod back to the room at large. I let her off the hook by proceeding to more mundane matters pertaining to our departure. How the girls doing, Chief? They're warmed up and ready to go, Skipper. Her sapphire smile flashed from across the table. Any issues? No, Skipper? Tanks are full, spares are loaded, scrubber two has been refitted, and scrubber one should be able to hold us almost to jump. Mr. Wyatt, stores are adequate? Yes, Skipper, full up and ready to go. I've got some new recipes to try this run. The cans are locked down since yesterday afternoon, Skipper. Mr. Paul, what news from astrogation? Any pirates? Mr. Paul surprised me then. I hadn't seen him much since getting underway from Dre. Courses laid in, Captain. We've got a good planetary alignment for the exit. Three weeks to jump, more or less. I looked at him. He seemed subdued. He felt me looking at him and turned his head slightly to sea. He shrugged into himself a bit, and I didn't press. Miss Thomas noticed the exchange and cocked her head slightly when I turned to her. Any concerns about the ship, Miss Thomas? None, Captain. We're ready to sail as soon as they can pull us out. Tug should be on station at 14.30. Thank you all, and I think we're ready to go. Lunch devolved into quiet conversations and general horseplay. Mr. Schubert and Mr. Hill had their heads together over co-op business and soon drew Miss Arione into the conversation by explaining the co-op to her. The chief and Miss Thomas did some talking around Mr. Wyatt, and I ate quietly, watching the lot of them. Mr. Paul did not join in the general joviality. In fact, the longer the meal went on, the more withdrawn he seemed. After dessert he excused himself. I'd like to check on the plot again. We'll see you on the bridge. All three of the officers across from me were looking at me expectantly. We'll need box lunches for dinner, mister Wyatt. Do you have enough help? He looked around the table and nodded. Yes, I think we can handle it, Skipper. I grinned, stood, and bust my tray. In that case, I need to see a man about an eye patch. Miss Thomas, would you plan to call navigation stations at fourteen hundred? Stations at fourteen hundred, I skipper. I followed in Mr. Paul's wake and got to the bridge as he was settling into his seat at the astrogation station. All updates in place, Mr. Paul? Yes, Skipper. Been up to date for a couple of days now. Nothing new has been posted since then. I took a seat at the duty deck officer station and fired up the display. I spoke to him without peeking around the console. So, how are you doing, Mr. Paul? Fine, Captain. I did lean out to look around the console at him then. Really, Mr. Paul? He turned his head to look at me, looking at him. He sighed. No, Captain. You want to talk about it? He glanced at the ladder and then back at me. We can go to my cabin if you prefer. He considered it. That worried me. He finally shook his head. It's okay. I stood up from the watchstander's chair and walked to sit across from him at the spare terminal. What's up, William? He closed his eyes and turned his head away from me can't stop thinking about the attack, sir. I'm not surprised, Mr. Paul. It was horrendous. He sighed. No, Captain, you don't understand. I don't remember a thing. I let him see me thinking about that for a couple of heartbeats before I answered. Is that a bad thing, William? I have no idea what they did to me, Captain. He looked small and weak and scared. Well... We know they beat you up, smashed your tablet, rolled you down a ladder. Isn't that enough? I said it gently. He laughed a little sad laugh. Oh, what we know is enough. He turned away and put his hands on his keyboard, facing his console as if he were looking at it. What else did they do? What are you afraid they did, William? He didn't answer for a long time. Rape, Captain. He said it very softly. You're afraid they raped you, William. He shrugged without looking at me. I don't know, Captain. I think I'd feel better knowing. He took a quavery breath and let it out. Not knowing if I've been violated or not, I... William, I interrupted him and he turned to me. William, whether you were raped or not, you were violated. Rape's never about sex. It's always about power. Somebody didn't like you for some reason. I doubt that we'll ever know why. They took your power and violated your will. You know that already. He looked like I'd hit him, and I tried to smile encouragingly at him. Your body has mostly healed, but it'll be a long while for the rest of it. Somehow, you've got to find a way to deal with it. It's not right. It's not fair. It's just what is. He turned away to look at his computer, and I stood and walked carefully off the bridge without looking back at him. At the top of the ladder I stopped, but I still didn't turn back. You've got people who care about you here, Mr. Paul. Anytime you need to talk, you can talk to any of us. I headed down over the ladder, and I heard a muffled, Thank you, Captain. I found Chief Gearhart standing outside my cabin. She pointed upwards with her chin. Everything okay, Skipper? The concern was evident in her face. I sighed. Pirates aren't so funny after you've been raped and pillaged, Chief. She hung her head forward on her neck and uttered a most unladylike single word. She stood there for a moment and blew out her breath before looking up again. Anything we can do? I shrugged. You probably know better than I do. She shot me a look. I think time and support are all we can offer. The rest has to come from him. Her look turned inward and a bit dark. After a couple of heartbeats, she looked back at me. Yeah. She sighed and headed down the ladder while I went into my cabin to make sure all the paperwork was filed for departure. Miss Thomas called the crew to navigation stations promptly at 1400, and for once I did the proper thing and let the crew assemble on the bridge before I joined them. The tug tied on promptly at 14.30, and we cleared the orbital without mishap. I admit I had a bad moment, only after we pulled out, thinking of the several cubic meters of hot water sloshing in the workout room. It was all I could do not to rush down and see what damage had been caused. I mustered my self-control, reasoning that it was already too late, and the pull-out had been so gentle it hadn't even disturbed the coffee in my mug. We began the long push out to the safety limit by 1500, and Mr. Wyatt brought up water and coffee around 1600. How are things below, Mr. Wyatt? Just fine, Captain. We're getting along swimmingly. I looked at him sharply, remembering my earlier worries about the hot tub. He seemed confused by the sudden attention. No, really, it's going well, Skipper. Sorry, Mr. Wyatt. I was hoping we hadn't spilled the hot tub. He laughed "'Not to worry, Captain. We locked the lid down right before lunch mess. "'The chief showed me how, and we double-checked each other to make sure it was locked. "'Thank you, Mr. Wyatt. I'm reassured.' "'He grinned and headed back down the ladder. "'Miss Thomas was looking at me strangely. "'Did you really think we'd slosh the hot tub, Skipper? "'I think I was more concerned that it hadn't occurred to me until after it was too late, Miss Thomas.' "'She nodded sympathetically. "'That infallibility of captains is a terrible burden, isn't it, Skipper?' "'It seems to be, Miss Thomas.' And so far, a condition which I have apparently not yet inherited with the mantle of command. She smirked. Don't sell yourself short, Captain. I started to follow up with that when Mr. Paul reported. The tug needs to drop us a bit early, Skipper. He's got an emergency callback. Problem's at the orbital, Mr. Paul. Sister tug has a thruster problem. They need to go help out. He consulted his screen. He's given us a bit of extra boost before he cuts us loose. Thank you for me, Mr. Paul. It's done, Captain. Thank you, Mr. Paul. We watched as the tug finished the boost and cast us off. What will that do to our course timings, Mr. Paul? Running it now, Skipper. It looks like we'll be a half a stand later than we planned. He glanced at the chronometer. We expected 1915. It'll be more like 1945. Miss Thomas, would you announce that to the ship, please? Aye, aye, Captain. She did, and we settled down to doing a serious impersonation of an asteroid in flight. At eighteen hundred, Mr. Wyatt and Miss Arione brought up the box lunches and some more coffee. She seemed to be at home on the bridge and was even smiling a little as she refreshed the coffee mugs around the room while Mr. Wyatt distributed the boxes. She headed down the ladder ahead of Mr. Wyatt and he looked over his shoulder with a look that said, So far, so good. Miss Thomas caught the look as well. Well, our new addition seems to be adjusting. Mr. Schubert gave a small snort. Comment, Mr. Schubert. He looked over at me with a shrug. It's going to be interesting in birthing, Skipper. Why's that, Mr. Schubert? We've been all guys for so long. She's not the only one who needs to adjust a bit, Skipper. He shrugged apologetically with a glance at Miss Thomas. No offense, Miss Thomas. None taken, Mr. Schubert. It's a good and valid point, Mr. Schubert. Do you have any reservations about you or Mr. Hill? I'm good, Captain. When I came aboard, I was the only rooster in the henhouse, as it were, he grimaced. It wasn't as much fun as you might think. I chuckled sympathetically. "'I remember what that was like, Skipper.' He looked over at me as if looking for permission to speak. I nodded encouragingly. "'I've known Stacy for stan years off and on. She's okay. Arrogant piece of work, but she seems to know her stuff, and she can handle herself on the dock. "'Mr. Hill seems to think she may murder you in your sleep,' he snorted. "'He doesn't really, Skipper. He... He started to say something and then realized where he was and thought better of it. "'He's just adjusting.' Miss Thomas coughed softly, and I looked at her direction. She shook her head slightly. Thank you for that insight, Mr. Schubert. Please keep me informed as the situation develops. Aye, aye, Captain. We rode along almost in silence, finishing our box lunches and admiring the stars. That's one of the things about getting underway, heading out while still fresh from the dock. The merry-go-round hasn't started to spin, and there's fresh possibilities ahead in the deep dark. For the most part, we were rested and mostly healthy, if a little tattered in places. The grind of the mundane hadn't set in, and we could still find beauty outside the armor glass. Soon enough, we crossed the safety border, and the chief fired up the sail and keel generators. Ship has way, Captain. Miss Thomas gave the report. Thank you, Miss Thomas. Secure from navigation station. Set normal watch. I looked at the chrono on the bulkhead. First section has the duty. Aye, aye, Captain. Securing from navigation stations. First section has the watch. It took another tick, but Miss Arione came up over the ladder and crossed to the helm. She went through the changeover protocols and took Mr. Schubert's seat while Miss Thomas finished assuming the officer of the deck logs. I led Mr. Paul and Mr. Schubert off the bridge. They went in separate directions to prepare to take the midwatch in just a few stands. I headed for my cabin. A quick refresh in the head, and I headed down to check out the hot tub. I couldn't quite shake the feeling that something was wrong, and I felt much better seeing that the safety lid was, in fact, latched down. While I was standing there, the chief came padding in, wearing a terry cloth robe. She flashed one of her sapphire-studded smiles in my direction. Were you worried, Captain? Yes, I was. Thanks for looking out for this. She laughed in return. Trust me, Skipper, it was purely selfish. She released the latches on the cover and swung it up out of the way. I've been waiting for three days to try this baby out, and I wanted it hot and full. She climbed the short steps up to the decking and swished one bare foot in the water tentatively before punching the button that started the jets. They added an almost subsonic thrum to the already vibrating ship, but weren't really audible in themselves over the sound of the water. She grinned at me, slipped the terry cloth off, and let it pool on the deck beside the opening. She was wearing a very modest one-piece bathing suit in navy blue, but I only had a moment to admire it before she stepped quickly down into the tub and submerged completely before coming back up face first and letting the water stream back off her face. She laid back against one of the backrests, laid her head against the wall, and settled in for a soak. Ah. Her sigh of contentment carried clearly to me and stabbed at something I didn't dare feel. I found myself back in my cabin without really remembering how I got there. The door closed behind me with a soft click, and I leaned back against it. My heart pounded in my chest, and air rasped in and out of my throat. I crossed to my desk and clicked on the light there. I was having trouble breathing. I lowered myself into the chair and laid my forehead against the cool laminate of the desktop until I could get my breath back. Slowly, I pushed up and leaned back in my chair, letting my eyes rake across the room. My survey took me back around to look out the port, and once more I could see the stars sparkling across the velvet night of the deep dark. The faint reflection of the room showed in the armor glass. I stood and crossed to stand closer to the glass, the shadow from my body creating a window in the reflection, a hole in the room where an empty man stood. The chrono clicked over to 2320, and I became aware of the ship around me again. The spasm had passed, and I was able to breathe almost normally. The familiar sounds of the ship wrapped me like a comfortable blanket. I sighed one last time and headed for my bunk. The merry-go-round had started to spin again, and I needed to be on my horse in the morning. Thank you for listening to Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is the mason's apron and is used with permission of the artist J.F. Archer. Find this and other works by J.F. Archer at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 U.S. license. For more information on the golden age, visit www.solarclipper.com. And thank you for your heartfelt and continued support of this and other works from patiobooks.com. Without you, none of this would be possible. Until next time, safe voyage.